Welcome. The following is a sermon presented at First Love Church in Ocala, Florida. If you'd like to know more about our church or Pastors Dennis and Heather Drake, you can find us on the web at firstlovechurch.org. We're going to light the Advent candle and just remind ourselves of the hope that Jesus gives. We get to sing the songs and we get to sing, uh, I think in the beginning, uh, the Danny Gokey version of Give Me Jesus. But we remember there were people, many people, who were praying and hoping for this, but there was no, Jesus hadn't come yet. And so it was only a promise. Sometimes when we hear a promise, there is in us a hope. But sometimes if it takes a long time for it to happen, it's very easy to give up on that hope or to let that hope go. And so when we come to Advent, it is a reminder to us that we enter into this season of waiting. Advent is this time of this tension of heartbreak and beauty. And we come to Advent with frustration. We come to Advent with impatience. And we are welcomed with all of those things in this Advent. But this is for us a practice in hearing what God would say to us and in renewing our hope for the promise that is to come. You know, I was kind of waiting for the holiday of impatience. That's it, right now, Advent. aggravation, because I celebrate that on a pretty regular basis. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the reality is, uh, church, that... So much of Christianity, uh, people have have uh, uh, just pretended like things weren't going on, and there wasn't struggle. And uh, I think what this revelation of Advent has done for our church and for us as a family is realize <coughs> that God has addressed this reality in our lives that there's struggle, that there's uh, that there's um, issues that you have, and then give us a path out of that, not just uh, shaming you because you're in it. Uh, and I think that's what church kind of inadvertently did with our holding up our doctrines of, uh, you know, you should have all these things and this should go for you. And then if it doesn't go that way, well, then there's something wrong with you. And I think Abbott really hits us in that place of going, no, there's something desperately wrong with the world. And I identify with that. And now what do I do with that pain? And this is the path that we, we find ourselves going back to God. And that's why we can celebrate joy. Mm. So today, if you're sad or if you're suffering, the church acknowledges your pain. Even in a season of gathering for hope and for joy, you're part of a people who know suffering, but who also know the mercy and the love of a faithful God. <coughs> so you are seen and you are heard and according to Holy Scripture, your cries will be heard. Sorrow and grief are part of Advent too, and that's why it's so important for us to really honor the season. Because you do not need to hide the truth of what you are going through or who you are. This is the season of light burning through darkness. What a relief to belong to a body, to a church that understands suffering. And we gather and we pay attention to the songs of the prophets. We pay attention to the longing of other people and we allow this to form us. Even as darkness gathers around us, even the light of Christ burns brighter. And so whether you're suffering today or whether you're rejoicing, 
Advent reminds us that God is coming for us, for all of us. And so when we approach the scriptures, when we hear the good news, we also remember that the good news kept being told to somebody who's in pain, somebody who's waiting, somebody who can't understand. And so we want to uh, find the joy and the hope today in the scriptures. Would you put up those scriptures for us, please, Nathaniel? This is from Romans chapter 15. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. Just want to remind you about that teach us part. Scriptures weren't just kept for history, but to really instruct us on what it would be like to be the people of God. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. I don't think we can miss the whole waiting patiently part because we're really good and we've practiced waiting impatiently but this promise of waiting patiently you know, for God's promises to be fulfilled. And you're only going to be able to wait patiently with a hope, you know? And so that's what Scripture will give you when you feel that place of hopelessness. Go to God and find that uh, because, um, you know, the, the world wants to, to beat us up and tear us down. And so I, I want you to know that God will give you hope. That's not something you have to really mind you know, and dig, dig, dig. I mean, if you press in at all, I promise you, he'll stir that within us. That's one of uh, 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 his graces and real uh, a strong mercy that he shows to us. Uh, but, but just keep in mind, you're not going to be able to sustain yourself without that hope. And that comes obviously through, you know, we find that as we look in scripture. So it's important for us also to know when we feel that our hope is waning or our hope is, uh, has an anchor that is perhaps um, uh, not as sturdy as we'd like it to be, that we know that we can go to the scriptures and we can receive encouragement from our hope. Would you put that next slide up, please? Amen. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, please be aware of that, that there, we're not asking you to produce patience or encouragement yourself. This is what the invitation is. Allow God to give you this patience and encouragement and help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Jesus Christ. And right here, the Apostle Paul gets to meddling, even in Advent. This is the reason that you would have encouragement. This is the reason you would practice patience so there could be unity. And this idea of having unity means there is somebody who is not like you. There is somebody who doesn't believe like you. There's somebody who doesn't act like you do. And the very fact that Paul is encouraging us and saying, listen, the same way that Christ included people, the same way that Christ offered the table to everyone, that's what it means to practice in this Advent season to allow people to allow different relationships to come in harmony with each other. And then I think that he always adds this caveat as is fitting for followers of Jesus. We see this pattern first in Jesus. We, uh, we youth pastored before we, we started this church and uh, I had a rule that my kids could only play on the Friday night basketball game if they, uh, if they went to Wednesday night service. It was a way to, you know, not just to have the sports be the sports by themselves, but obviously the point was that we get kids involved in the program. And so uh, one of my star players missed Wednesday night, and his dad came to me, and he said, well, you're going to let my kid play, aren't you? And I said, no, the rules are, you know. And he said, well, that's a stupid rule. I said, well, it, it, it may be a stupid rule, but it's our rule here, and I expect you to abide for it. And he goes, well, uh, you know, it, it's stupid, and you need to let my son play so you can win. I said, well, we'll probably lose, but 
I'm just going to ask you to submit to what, you know, our rules are. And he said, well, I only submit to things I agree with. And I said, well, then you're in agreement. You're never in submission. Because <laughs> submission is really when you don't agree. And, the, and this whole idea of unity here, uh, I really want you guys to think about this because it's really that place of deciding that I will get in unity with people. Because if, if you're getting along with everybody, it's because you're in agreement. You're alike. You get along. So it's going to be those people that just do things differently. They rub the fur the wrong way. They just don't do things the way it's right to do, the way I do them. And so um, that is when I, I believe that we can let, you know, the real spirit of this season and what God wants to do in our lives is for you to go to those, and this is fuel. It's either going to make you angry or transform you, but you're going to go to some family gatherings with some weird uncles and some strange in-laws and people. And you know what? You can, you can have unity. And, and the idea is the unity that Jesus showed us, which was everybody's welcomed at the table. Everyone's welcomed in the Father's house. Come home. And this invitation to unity is an invitation to us to follow the patterns that Jesus set. And this is what Jesus said to us. If you're not willing to pick up your own cross and follow me, then don't call yourself a disciple. So this idea of following the path that is already set for us by Jesus, this is what the apostle is telling us to do. Can, can I just interject too that I think that... Would you put the couple, fourth one, the next verse up, please? A couple of fruits happen from, from that too, is, is you'll find out yourself that you know, how good it feels to actually not have to be right all the time and have to have things your way. There's really a, something transformative and maturing in that. And uh, also, I find that when you extend that place of unity and make that decision that you're going to love these people, it can bring Christ to them in a place that will bring some transformation in their life too. So not only do I hope that I would be transformed, you know, with this person that I I, I, I have struggled with, but that they would be changed as well. And I believe that there's a promise in there of that. And we see that over and over in how God will do that. I, I've decided to, to love people that are unlovable. And next thing you know, I, I actually do love them. And that love changed how they behave towards me. And so there's promises in this, uh, not just uh, God telling you tolerate something, but that he wants to bring change in you and those people that seem to be uh, at odds with us. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus mm. Christ. Verse That's 7, good. please. Therefore. Yeah, we don't want to go any further. We'll just stop at that verse. No, we got to find out what the therefore is there for. <laughs> Accept each other as Christ has accepted you. Mm, there you go. So that God will be given the glory. This is written to a church that is largely Jewish by um, culture and by ethnicity. But ever since the beginning, I mean, even in the Psalms, we're told the Gentiles are going to come and worship. This has always been the plan that everyone mm -hmm. gets included. And yeah, the Jewish how, church is really, really, they're, they're certain that, okay, if you're going to come into the new kingdom, if you're going to come into this family, then you have to do the rules the way we do. And Paul is reminding them, remember about Jesus and how he said that everybody could come in. I mean, Paul later in a different part says, listen, even the barbarians are included. That's what I was going to say. Is, I mean, you know, there's this, uh, how does it play out? 
in, in their lives. I mean, these are the Jews that wore the right things, washed their hands a certain way, and then all of a sudden they got barbarians that fight naked and just crazy people coming in. And you're like, oh, 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 don't bring that weirdness here. You know, and so does that sound like anyone's home or anyone's struggle at work? <laughs> oh, oh, don't bring that weirdness around me. You know, and, and so he's saying that there can be this place of unity in that uh and uh, but we're like, but it draws a line at, because I think at, for, uh, yeah. at no pants. Come on, <laughs> we've at least drawn that line. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> well, and there's a, there's a way that you can look at what what he's actually saying here is the people who, by their very nature, are doing things that we don't consider. We yeah. talked about this a few weeks ago. But Peter has a vision, and all of these unclean things. Now, Peter didn't make up what was unclean; it was in the rule book. These are unclean. Come down from heaven. And the voice from heaven that he recognizes, God says, take it and eat. And Peter goes, no, not going to do it. I know what the rules are. The rules are don't do it. And then he's confronted by a God who says, Peter, if I say to do it, you have to. Mm. And so this idea that we're called into, if love tells us. So you're saying the greater uh, uh, call of God of love would be to look past the, the, the rule break. We were talking the other the day breakers. about the eunuch who is now, this is New Testament church where Jesus has already come and ascended and told people about it. There's a eunuch and in, in, in our uh, language, there's not a lot of eunuchs here. I think many times if you look at history, a eunuch was not a eunuch by his own decision. Sometimes it was, but he wasn't allowed to worship in Jerusalem at the temple because there was a maim or a problem or a difference. And it was a difference that happened to him even after he was born, but he wasn't allowed to worship there. And supernaturally, the, the Lord sends Philip, a disciple, to him and explains the scriptures that he's reading in Isaiah. And then he says to the apostle, he said, what prevents me from being baptized? What prevents me from full inclusion in the body? What prevents me from this? And Philip said nothing Mm. and then baptizes him there. So we see these patterns over and over again, but he's saying, therefore, accept each other as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Will you put the next verse up for us, please? Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews, to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. Next verse, please. He came also so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercy to them. And this is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, for this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. The next one, please. And in another place it is written, rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. Next verse. And yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And in another place, I think that he's (laughs) reminding them that this was the plan since the beginning, that people who were not like us would be included, that people who were not part of this is how you get in, you're part of this family, were offered this good news. In another place, Isaiah said, the heir to David's throne will come. And he will rule over the Gentiles. And they will place their hope on him. I remind you, this is the truth of Advent, that our hope is not in, can we do this? Our hope is in the fact that Jesus has already done it. And if we will surrender to his way of loving and his way of living, then our lives will be so loving 
that the tables will be longer that we fellowship at, that the yes. fences will be shorter, that the yes. borders will be just enlarged and allow more and more love and grace to be there because this is the, the way that Jesus lived. They will place their hope on him. Will you go to the next verse for us, please? I pray that God, the source of hope, I think that part is so encouraging because sometimes I don't have any hope for change. Mm -hmm. But thanks be to God, who is the source of hope. He will fill you completely with joy and peace. And you look at this and go, hope and joy and peace are all part of this season that we look at and we bring our longings for change. We bring our longings for transformation. We bring our longings for renewal. And then we wait And God, who is our source of hope and joy and peace because we trust in him, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul reminds us. You see these verses, and they really all talk about, you know, this, this, the Gentiles and all others will worship, will call on his name, will believe, will be changed. It's, it's really talking about, you know, that relationship. And so I think what God was uh, trying to get through to the Jewish people that they were struggling with, I think is the same thing that Christians struggle with. And I hear it in our language, our contemporary language, because we say, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's the big catchphrase in the generation that I have become born again in. But the reality is you are not in a personal relationship with God. You're, uh, you have become part of a family who is in relationship with God. Do you know? And so I get the meaning and the intention of that, that, you, that it's you're to make it an individual connection but, you know, it really feeds that narcissistic, self-centered mm. world that we live in, you know. And it's not all about you, as it turns out. Put that in your notes this morning, because who knew that? Uh, and, and so the, the Jews struggle with it. And so I think that it's not something that was just a 2,000-year-old problem, but it's a problem of mankind. That, that we really do think that he's our Savior, and not the world's savior. And I think that if you and I really looked at, at that, then we'd see people differently. Oh, I know their savior. Let me introduce them to him. Let me help them connect closer with our God. Because our God reigns. Amen. Our God is to be worshipped. Not I worship my God and it's very self-centered. And in fact, I think even in our worship, we talk about that, you know, good, good father, that's who you are. You make me feel happy. And not that I I tear down that song. I love that song when we sing it. But, you know, if that is the uh, really emphasis or heart or focus of your worship, we miss that, that he's the good, good father to the lost and that he is all of our father. I mean, that's the beginning of the prayer when Jesus taught us to pray. Our father, not my father, our father. There's something so important in us understanding the global impact of Christ. Amen? And there's such a hope for us in this idea that we are to ask and that we are to live out your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm 
We are to be these little outposts of hope, these outposts of joy, these outposts of this is what it looks like to come home. We were talking to somebody recently who had adopted a baby from China, and they had gone to China um, to be there, and they had to be there over a month for all the paperwork to be there, and they had become very good friends with the people at the embassy, and on the day that the baby was, all the paper was signed, they went to the embassy, and there were big banners, they said, outside that called the person by name and said, welcome home, and I think we have to remember that because this is not our real home, but we're to be mm. embassies of hope and of joy in a world that is sometimes full of chaos and pain. And we're to be the people who say, this is what home is like. You're welcomed here. This is what home is like. There's family for you here. This is what a home is like. There's a table and there's a feast for you that the good father set. But we're responsible to live in that hope of saying, I know things aren't good now, but there's a promise that one day everything will be restored. What an unbelievable illustration because, you know, you are still in another country. But you go to that embassy and they say, welcome home, because they represent everything that is your home. And if we would really get a hold of the idea that when someone walks in here, we're, we're an embassy, an outpost of heaven, and we would welcome them. And, and all of them yeah, the way. yeah, and all of the rules of that governing country. <laughs> this is what right. heaven is like. We it might, all they get might, to, outside yeah. of the doors. There might be a whole, but in this, there's a Welcome set of rules. Home. Welcome that, home at the Father's table. Oh, I pray that God, the source of all hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace, because you trust in Him, and then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I remind you today, this is, the only, this is the only hope for our hope, but this is the only way our hope can be actually fulfilled is through the power of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And so in this time of Advent, we pay attention to the history that Christ has come, but then we're also invited into this present mystery where what does it mean that he's come? What does it mean that his kingdom is right here in our midst? And then we're reminded there is coming a day, brothers and sisters, we're not left alone. There is not just this leaving of nothingness, but there is a holy imagination that says to us, one day this whole world will be as God designed it, as he planned it. Every sad thing will be untrue. And there is great grace for us in that. One of the ways we participate in that is that we participate in Holy Communion. And we are going to uh, say a prayer together first. We do this because the scriptures tell us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We also do it because the prayers form us as the people of God. And so sometimes people don't know how to apologize. <laughs> and sometimes people don't know how to allow uh, true repentance. And so the prayers actually teach us these things. It wasn't long ago that Silas came into the house and he said, I need to say that I'm sorry. I need to repent for something. And Silas is six years old. And I said, okay, what happened? And he goes, I'm going to tell you what I did and what I didn't do. And I was like, that's from the liturgy, what I've left undone and what I've done. And so there for us is hope there. So if you would pray this with us today, you are the father who welcomes home the prodigal who has wandered far. You are the father who prepares a meal when others would simply ignore. You are the father whose love extends beyond our thoughts or minds. You are the father who knows our hearts 
and yet loves us as we are. You are the Father whose word we trust, in whose presence we have no fear. You are the Father whose tender touch makes our wounded spirits whole. Most merciful Father, we humbly ask that you would heal us from our sins and restore our hope in your coming promises. Give us courage to wait. In the name of Jesus the faithful, amen. If you're going to serve Holy Communion, I would ask that you would come forward to receive the sacrament. We are going to celebrate this morning one loaf. According to 2 Corinthians, Paul says we're one body because we eat from one bread. We eat from the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning, um, David is going to um, pray over us. And so I ask that you would open our, your hearts, collectively our hearts, over the song that David will sing. I'll just ask that you would just, I know that we've heard the prayer before. We all know it by heart. But if you listen to his heart sing, I believe that Jesus will be present to us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory Presented at First Love Church in Ocala, Florida. If you'd like to know more about our church or Pastors Dennis and Heather Drake, you can find out on the web at firstlovechurch.org. If you'd like to help us continue the work that we're doing, you can donate at firstlovechurch.org.